Every couple of years, the organization Common Sense Media takes, well, you might call it the digital pulse of the upcoming adolescent generation. The organization's ongoing media census gives us a snapshot of how young people are engaging with screens, digital devices, and entertainment, and we're going to talk about their latest report today. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, it makes me feel very old, but I have been at Plugged In almost 20 years. Oh and my I, goodness! I share my that goodness. little factoid because <laughs> it sets up what I'm about to say next. Uh, it probably speaks to my extraordinarily wide nerdy side, uh, and it is wide and, and wonky side. I love statistics. I love facts. I love studies. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think one of the highlights of my time here has been the Common Sense Media Survey, which typically is released every four years because it's such a big piece of research. They can't do it any faster than that. This is a highlight for you every four years? Yeah, no, I I said <laughs> no, that I'm it spoke you. to my I'm nerdy side, so oh, okay. just, just yeah, roll with absolutely. me. All right. I get excited for the Batman movies, but... I get whatever. excited for the whatever. Common Sense Media Survey. <laughs> and before Common Sense took it over, it was done by the Kaiser Family Foundation. What I love about it is that it gives us a really accurate and both deep and wide statistical glimpse at what the kids are up to, right? And we can sort of yeah, track yeah. how are they engaging with media and we can track how has that changed over time. And Kristen's looking at me like, at some point I failed to get a life completely. No, not at all. <laughs> Which uh, everybody I went to high school with would true. say is true. <laughs> so we are going to unpack this latest survey. And there is an enormous amount of what I think is really interesting statistical data. But we want to take yeah. the next step and help you think about how that relates to your family as well. Paul, you're still laughing. Do you want to share something? <laughs> I was just thinking about the listeners saying, now we're going to dive into some really deep statistical data. Yeah, everyone thinking. shut. They, they shut it off. They yeah, well, I think only I, Adam and I are listening. Right. I, mean, I, think, I think it's fairly clear you know which kind of person you are. You're a wonk or you're not. So uh, in our second segment, our resident video game maven Bob Hoos is going to bring us up to speed on everything we need to know about the new video game Elden Ring, okay. which apparently cool. is a ring that's... Elden. <laughs> but we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Good summary. And before we dive into our discussion in earnest, I'd also encourage you to follow The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcast. Leave a comment, leave a review, leave a like, give us some feedback, tell us what you think. We would love to hear how you're interacting with the material that we're bringing you each week and today. Well, you've probably figured it out already. I'm joined by Kristen Smith, Jonathan McKee, and Paul Acey. Hey, everyone. Thanks Hello. for Hello. joining me Hello. to mock Good. my nerdiness this morning. Glad um, to. I mean, thankfully, I'm going to my counseling session right after this. That's and I think, great. <laughs> no, not really. Well, we're obviously going to be talking about that most ubiquitous of issues today, and that means something that's everywhere. What the kids are doing with their phones. <laughs> Before we go there, I thought it would be fun to ask this question. If we were to peek into that part of your phone that tracks everything you do, and it's on every kind of phone. I actually looked at mine over the weekend and I about had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. What would you find that you 
look at or engage with the most on your phone? Ooh, on and the phone. I guess you have a choice here whether to tell the truth or to lie, but that's between you and, and the Holy Spirit. So, Kristen, <laughs> why don't you lead us why off on this one? Why would you start with me? Because oh, you're uh, fun to pick on. Okay. And you've already picked on me. So Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm going to try to, like, justify what I'm about to say, but it's not. Me too. So you go yeah. first. <laughs> I think for me probably it would be Instagram and Pinterest. Now, Pinterest is purely personal, but Instagram is nice actually, alliteration. Thank you. Is actually part of my job. Social media is part of my job. So I try to I try to see like, okay, was this within working hours that I was using this? <laughs> so that I feel a little bit better about the percentage of time that was spent on the app. But um for sure I've looked at it and been like, okay, it's definitely time for a cleansing here, Kristen. Get a hold right. of your life. All right. Yeah. That's Who awesome. wants to be next in our confessional? Oh, Jonathan does. Jonathan totally oh, yeah. does. Well, Jonathan, I'm, I guess you have been chosen. Honestly, I'm super boring with my phone, and uh, I kind of like it that way. Um, I'm not a fan of social media at all, so I don't use social media on my phone. I use my phone for making phone calls and for texting what? my family. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, occasionally I'll use it to look something up. Like, wait, you know, if my wife and I are watching a television show and we're like, how old is Denzel Washington? He looks fabulous. You know, we'll like Google how my old wife he and is. I did that very thing watching the Academy Awards with Denzel yeah, yeah, Ward, abs- but I can't. Yeah, absolutely. Den- yeah. Or, or we were watching, you know, our favorite home show, Hometown, the other day, and we're like, how tall is he? You know, so we looked up Ben was six six. We're like, man, I can see why she calls him Biggs. So that's that's about it. Uh, you know, occasional Google, you know, searches. So I'd have to applaud you for that. Yeah. yeah. Well. Uh, clearly, you win. I think Adam I'm, needs to go I'm next. I'm not sure if Paul and I even, even need to talk at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you think I need to go next? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, my confession is that over COVID, like lots of people, I rediscovered my comic book collection from being a teenager. And Oh, wow. Well, I've added to it. We'll stop there. My wife would be, my wife <laughs> yeah, would be rolling wanna, her eyes clean out her head if she were here. You want to, you don't want to be too confessional here. I understand. Um, but there is a new auction app, relatively new. I think oh, it's no. like two years old, called Whatnot. Oh no! That they're just live auctions constantly, and oh wow! I may actually write about it at some point because it, it sort of encapsulates almost everything we talk about with the internet you know there's a commerce portion there's an entertainment portion yeah. and it's uh it can be a little compulsive so i look at it too much paul your turn <laughs> so i am going to actually say something that sounds sort of self-serving i engage with podcasts wow you know because i don't actually about, right? i don't actually look at my screen my phone screen that much but yeah, but when yeah. i go running right let's I get it out and flip see on, yeah. <laughs> i flip on the podcast only four or five hours a day probably only four or five hours maybe six or seven on a which really could totally be podcasts day. depending on how much time if you don't have kids man no I, I i i flip on the podcasts when i'm running and then I, I listen to old time radio shows, actually. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, kind of cool. nerdy. So it turns out I'm the least plugged in person here. And that's good to know. So <laughs> thank you all for your confessions. Um, I thought that would be a good setup for talking about the common sense media census, which is actually really hard to say. The interesting thing about this one is that it's the first time they've gathered data 
since COVID happened. And we all know that COVID was a watershed event, pretty much any way you want to define a watershed. But one of the things that happened was with so many of us locked up at home for varying lengths of time, um, screen time went up for everybody and especially for kids. And so the researchers were especially eager to learn how the coronavirus had affected screen time usage and engagement with digital media. So let's start with just sort of the top line general engagement numbers with screens overall. What in general is going on with tween and teen screen use today? Well, as you say, it's going up. You know, it was it was interesting to see the stats. We've been, as you say, we've been studying this study for a while now. I know, it makes me happy. It's, <laughs> it's an existential thing. <laughs> and we've been seeing that screen time overall for tweens and teens has been ticking up and up and up and up. But when you talk about COVID, all of a sudden the screen time just sort of exploded, mm. right? Instead of these incremental increases, it took a giant leap forward. I think we're right. talking about uh, from 2019 to 2021, media use grew by 17% amongst tweens and teens, which is a huge jump. That's a big jump in well, two years. especially considering how much time they were already spending on their screens. Right. So It's not like that. there were many hours left, really. Well, as a matter of fact, when you're looking at teens, they're spending eight and a half hours on screens every single oh, day. It's an incredible number. I mean... For teens, it's basically a full-time job with some overtime. I mean, if only they could get paid for the amount of time that they're on screens, right? I, I, mean, know. I know. I mean, I'm making a joke of it, but it's this is a serious thing. And among tweens, um, that number went from 4 hours and 44 minutes in 2019 to 5 hours and 33 minutes. So the younger kids aren't on quite as much, but it's pretty clear to see the trajectory both ways. Yeah, I was just going to say that looking at these numbers, especially during COVID, it makes sense. Like mm -hmm. You're locked in your house. If you can't see your friends and your parents are working and what else are you going to do? Right. Really, I mean, really, like, especially if you already have an addiction to technology, of course you can read and you can do all those other things, but there has to be some intentionality around that and that has to be modeled. And so if it's not and parents are trying to do what they can to survive help their kids make it through. You know, obviously they're on screens for school. The Probably the first thing they want to do is to escape mentally is be on another screen. Not that that's the best thing, but that's probably what they want to do. Yeah. And so it just makes sense. Yeah. And and I go back to what you said actually during your introduction. You know, when during COVID, you gravitated toward your phone to look at these auction sites, right? I mean, it was right. it was for a print I had medium. to bring that so, up too. <laughs> but, Kristen but, was also but, on Instagram. I just want to point <laughs> out. <laughs> but it, it shows that I think that boredom, when we're bored, we immediately gravitate toward these screens because they immediately release that boredom. Yeah, Jonathan. Well, Adam, uh, being one of the fellow nerds here who actually always <laughs> anticipates this study and is looking for it and excited about it, uh, definitely had some interesting thoughts as it came out. And I'll, I'll start with my positive thoughts. It, it, I, I guess it was no surprise because I thought during COVID, we saw other people reporting about, I remember Nielsen was reporting how TV time had gone up. And, it, and to me, that was kind of like, well, duh. I mean, kids couldn't go outside, be with each other. So obviously screen time went up. Um, one thing I like about what this report did is it, like normal, it went kind of and talked about what kids favor. I find that pretty fascinating when you look at the fact that, I mean, when they kind of listed, well, what did they do 
with their time and they gave numbers like 77% of teens watch online videos every day, 62% are on social media every day, 49% watch TV every day. That's kind of good to know what their favorite activity is and I think it's very important for us to understand about those online videos. And I just got to tell you, I was completely surprised by Common Sense Media when I found out that they didn't even count TikTok in their social media time. Hmm. They counted that in the online video time. So interesting thing we're going to have to discuss today. Well, and let me add my own experience. And one of the things that really came out of this report is that for kids, both tweens and teens, YouTube and TikTok rated really highly. And Snapchat. And yeah. Snapchat. Yeah. But in, but in terms of watching those videos, and we spend a lot of time talking about how social media influences kids' mental health. My own experience in my family is my um, my daughters especially are not on social media. Yeah. Um, but they do watch some stuff on TikTok and they do watch YouTube. I think what I have observed is it's it's cratered their attention spans even more than it already was. So in my own yeah, sort of yeah. personal interaction with this, that's my observation, but I would wholeheartedly agree with the study's observation. And one of the things that they asked was, what one thing that you're engaging with on screens could you not live without? And YouTube mm -hmm. was number one, and yeah, uh, I believe yeah. TikTok was right up there too, because you know, they're just conditioned to watch these silly little videos. Uh, and, and I can call them silly little videos, but they're not silly to my kids because they love them. Well, and I think going back to what both you and Jonathan were saying, I think that there's a huge mental health component with this increase in screen time as well. Yeah. You know, it, it, we, we all know that social media has a huge impact on teens' mental health. But, but as I think back to when I was a kid, um, I really struggled with a lot of anxiety and, and issues that dealt with mental health. And I think that a way that I found to escape from that was often by turning to a screen. You know, I would flip on the reruns after I got home from school. The they, huge console screen in your living room, right? Well, it was <laughs> it was one of those things that allowed me to escape kind of the reality that I was living in. And when you have this very, very difficult time for so many teens, so many tweens where you're locked away, you can't see your friends as you might, you can't go to school as you used to, we all know that that had a huge impact on their mental health. And so naturally, I think that there would be a relief to turn to screens. And I think when you're talking about that, those YouTube videos, those quote unquote silly YouTube videos, those TikTok videos, those are a release because they're quick, they're funny, they're engaging. And for the 15 seconds, two minutes you're watching them, you are lost in that video. Well, and I even find as an adult that... Sometimes I'm like, okay, I need to put my phone down. And yeah. I'll be sitting in a chair or something. If it's within an arm's reach, oh, it's it's been like 45 seconds. I wonder what's happening in the world. <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not much. And mm -hmm. I think in terms of intentionality, for me as an adult to struggle with this, I literally have to take my phone in another room and make an intentional decision that I'm leaving it there for a while. How much harder is this for our kids mm -hmm. who don't have, at least theoretically, the sort of uh, self-control and maturity that most adults should have? 
Kristen? Yeah, and I just wanted to say, if you have a child with ADD or ADHD, this is a really big deal. Like, I, I think from firsthand experience, my husband has it as a grown adult. And so he wrestles with, he loves information. He likes to know everything. If he's thinking about something, he wants to know the answer to it. And so we go back and forth because, as Paul was saying, everyone has an escape. Everyone has something that they want to disconnect mentally. I like to read. Unfortunately, it has become scrolling through reels um, way more than I'd like. Seriously, way more than I'd like to admit. And if Because my there's phone, always another one. Yes. I mean, you can scroll it perpetually. It is just constant and it's always new. So it's like a fun little surprise of what's coming next. And it gives you that dopamine rush. And so that happens too when you have someone, not, not just anybody, but if you have a kid that has ADD, this is like a drug. Right. This is a drug for any child, but especially for a child with ADD. And it almost increases the problem. Like I would see this in my students. They'd be sitting down. And so like, how do you sell really teaching it nowadays is selling? How do I sell that poetry is fun when you can scroll through Instagram? Well, I don't really know that I can. This is really (laughs) going to win out over what I'd like to teach you. And so, I mean, even from like a teacher's perspective or a parent's perspective, you might feel like you need to compete for your child's attention because you're not as engaging as the media that's in front of them. And so I think this is where boundaries are super, super important and have to be enforced by parents, but also have to be modeled by parents. We can't be sitting on our phones and scrolling through Instagram and expecting our kids to not do it. Hey, but then your kids, cre- get right. off of your screens. But then, right, like let's say <laughs> let's say Instagram is our vice or whatever, but our kids are on something different and we think that's worse. Well, you're on Snapchat or you're on YouTube. Like who cares? It's all the same. Right. And it all does the exact same. Yeah, you know, this is such good information and especially, and Kristen, I appreciate you and Adam just even talking about our own kind of, okay, I feel like I look at this too much. What am I modeling um, one thing that this report does is it kind of helps us, and, and I'd say the majority of parents might just read a headline about this report. Most parents are gonna, aren't going to dig through this report. They'll just read, oh, screen time is up, no surprise. I think the one piece of math that I would like to help parents do, so for those of us that are listening here, it, let me do some math for you because the report didn't do the math. Um, the report simply notes that, Teens average an hour and 27 minutes a day digesting social media. And if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard us talk about how experts at least actually agree that there's a mental health crisis going on right now and that too much social media is linked to these mental health concerns. And a lot of parents are like, well, what's too much social media? Those experts said, we recommend kids are one or two hours at most of social media platforms each day. And they kind of went on to say uh, those platforms where there's likes and comments and that pressure to measure up. Well, if we look back at this common sense media report that says that there's an hour and 27 minutes of social media, it goes on to say there is also an hour of 22 minutes on YouTube and or TikTok, which by the way, there's likes and comments and the pressure to measure up. So let me just quickly do that math and say that's about three hours a day on average, and that's over what experts recommend. And I think we just need to look at that math. I'm not sure why Common Sense didn't do that math. I'll let them explain it uh, sometime if they would like to, but we should be aware that not only is screen time up, these sites that they're looking at that is putting this pressure on them to feel like they need to measure up that is up as well and it's probably an answer as to why do we have a mental health crisis right now we need to pay attention to that 
You know, I, as I was looking at this report and listening to what Kristen was saying earlier about poetry and trying to encourage their kids to, to yeah. engage with that, the one element of media that did not go up, the consumption of mm. media, was reading. And yeah. for me, that as as an English major, as a reading wonk, that just <laughs> yeah. that hurt me a little bit, you know, because I think when you talk about all the issues that we've been talking about, the screens, the social media, reading is to me an inoculation to so much of what we deal with, to sink into a good book, to actually engage with a good piece of, of story within that mode. It yeah. It's an active mode of engaging with story. Whereas when you're talking about screens, it's so often passive. It yep. just washes over you and you absorb. But when you read, you're sinking into it. You're engaging with it. And I think that that would be really a great thing for more parents to encourage their kids to do. And to model themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I love to read. <clears throat> so I try to get my kids in front of books a lot. But not every parent is like that. And I just, I feel like I I want to encourage parents. I don't want to end it on this like doom and gloom note. Yes, social media consumption is up. Yes, social media is growing between 8 to 12-year-olds. That's horrifying to me. Um, And I think as you were saying, Paul, like what we do, how we we need to model what we want our children to do. But as a mom, as a young mom, I'm on Instagram. I scroll through people's profiles. And Jonathan was talking about how young kids feel the need to, like, there's a lot of comparison. I feel like I feel that. And I've had to check myself. I'm hopefully a lot more mature than a 14 to 18-year-old girl. But I have to check myself because, ironically enough, there's tons of women and moms on Instagram who are telling you how you shouldn't be on Instagram to go spend more time with your kids outside off of the platform. But you need the platform to see that. And so you feel this like. Oh, the irony. Right. But there's this there is a parenting pressure like you're not doing this well or this well and this well. And for parents in general, if there's all this information on how you should be parenting. And I think I'm probably speaking to my generation. I'm not sure that you guys feel that pressure. But there's a lot of opinions on how you should parent and the way to do it and the way to homeschool and the way to send your kids to school and what's bad and what's good like enough like for kids and for parents alike it would probably be really beneficial to just quiet everything and sort of shut it down and have a restart and also talk as a family about like where do you want to go as a family what are your morals as a family what is it that you hold value to because that's going to shape how you spend your time yep Kristen, i I just gotta tell you thanks for confessing um I was the exact same way with social media, and that's why I'm not on social media anymore. As a 50-something-year-old, the pressure was too much. (laughs) I compared all the time. It made me feel bad about myself. I don't like social media for that reason. Mm. Well, I know that we could talk about this more, but... uh, It's time to bring this one in for a landing. I just want to say a couple of things in summary. We often talk about screen time averages, and one of the things this study talks about is how those numbers actually really vary depending on age, gender, and socioeconomic status. And it reminded me that the average doesn't really matter for you who are listening today. What matters is where your kids are at and your relationships with them, and each of them probably interacts with screens differently and has different things that they're interested in. And so I think as parents, the first thing I want to say is we need to be students of our kids and understand what they're drawn to, what engages them, what they want to do online. Um, And then obviously, as Kristen was talking about, just setting those boundaries. And for some of us, resetting those boundaries. I'm sort of the champion of the reset, you know, because things get out of whack and our habits slip out of control. And so 
Um, it's our responsibility as parents to take that initiative to say, all right, we're going to have a reset here. We're going to make some concrete changes that help us to begin to get this under control. And, and the goal here is not perfection. Right. Uh, we're never going to get it a hundred percent right as parents, but I think the goal is engagement and re-engagement and understanding how significantly important this issue continues to be for our kids. So thanks everybody for your contributions today. Well, it's time for our second segment and I'm joined by Bob Hoos to talk about the video game Elden Ring. And Bob, I don't know about you, but when I hear Elden Ring, I think it sounds like a mashup of Elder Scrolls and Lord of the Rings, but it's not. It's Elden Ring and it's been generating a ton of interest among gamers. So I wanted to chat with you about what it is and what parents need to know about. So what's the story with Elden Ring? Okay. Well, it's, first of all, it's built with the combined efforts of uh, a guy named um, Hidetaka Miyazaki. Okay. First of all, and he's the guy who did the Dark Souls games, if you know of those. And, and that's combined with George R.R. Martin, who wrote the uh, Game, of Game of Thrones books, of course. Yeah. And so if you know those elements and those uh, medias, then you also know pretty much what this kind of game is like. Now, the fact is it's very creative, and that's and because of the George R. R. Martin element. Um, it's, I think, a little bit more creative than your typical Dark Souls game. Okay. And, and so is, I, is it a fantasy role-playing yeah, game? Yeah, it's, it's sort of a fantasy realm, and it's this realm that was at one time... Um, kept peaceful by this magical Elden Ring. And then through conflict, it was smashed into pieces. I hate when that happens. Yeah, I know. And the pieces went out to these demigod characters. And it's our job. We're called in as this lowly nobody. (laughs) And it's our job to come in and gather together all those great runes and then recreate the ring and then in turn become the new Elden Lord. So it's sort of like Lord of the Rings in it reverse. Is. I mean, you, you mentioned that, but it's <laughs> it's sort of like that. And it's got that kind of a feel in this great big vast world. And of course, along the way, the way we do that is by grabbing any deadly weapon we can and killing a parade of foes. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously with George R.R. R. Martin involved, yeah. I'm guessing this isn't an E-rated game. No, so no, it's, talk it's, to me about it's, the content. It's M-rated. M-rated. Well, I mean, I, first of all, the good side. What is drawing yeah. kids? You know, you mentioned that it's very popular. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that's drawing it in is that it isn't as dark and dreary and dank as some of the Dark Souls games. If you've ever, ever seen one or played one, yeah, they're dark it's, games. it's really, Hence really dark. <clears throat> this one sort of struck me as a combination of the Dark Souls game with something closer to The Legend of Zelda. Okay. You know, you, you've got a horse that you're riding around on, you're going on all these quests. It has a little bit lighter feel, and it's also filled with lots of rewards. As you're going along, you get treasures and rewards, and you've got these these incredible challenges that you have to meet. And there's a real reward in that system too. And not to mention that this is a vast, open, beautiful world. And, uh, and I think that's, what's really drawing players in and, you know, really appealing to them. Now on the other side, it is a very M rated game. Okay. You still have that dark souls element where uh, you're dying over and over and mm. over again, and it's in very bloody, 
gruesome ways because it's sometimes. a really difficult game yeah, yeah. right i mean from yeah, what i've is... read that's part of the attraction is you don't just blitz right through it it's well that's hard. that's the attraction of the dark souls games it was always for those people to who who uh, kind of who, the hardcore gamers who said you know i can't win so i've got to win you know <laughs> and you know and that's the kind of feel here it's just a little dark and dreary for your average family room that brings me to another thought i know that we sometimes would have people say why even bother to review M-rated games? You right. know, isn't it pretty self-evident that this is problematic? And um, I want you to respond to what I'm about to say. Sure. It seems like often the biggest, hottest, most buzzworthy games are M-rated games. That is absolutely the market that game makers cater toward the most. And so we kind of go back and forth right. between covering the big buzzworthy ones and covering stuff that's more family-friendly as well. But I think if we were to ignore the M-rated games, we're ignoring what so many teens are engaging with Without these question. days. And I think, I think parents don't recognize the rating as well as they should. Yeah. So they don't look at an M or, or even notice the M on the box or on, the, uh, on download yeah. that they get from a, a particular game site they just notice that the kids really are saying wow this is cool mom i really want to do it and they and that excitement you know and so talking about these games and letting parents know a little bit about what's in there i think can be helpful not necessarily that we're saying don't play this or don't do that but saying you know if you have issues with blood and gore then this probably isn't a game for your family all right well, Bob, thanks for bringing us up to speed on Elden Ring today. And we hope that if you have gamers at home, that this has been useful information just for you to know, even if you don't have kids in your own house playing it, you know, if your son or daughter goes to a sleepover or spends time with friends, they may encounter it there too. So thanks, Bob. You're welcome. Well, now it's time for a part of our show we call the Pop Culture Connection. And we are joined by our producer, Ashley, who will bring us... A question that's somehow related to pop culture, entertainment, technology, and each of us will have 30 seconds to, uh, uh, <laughs> to give as many answers as possible. And I'm joined again by Jonathan, Kristen, and Paul. So, uh, Ashley, take it away. All right. Sounds good. Well, we'll do our first question. And Jonathan, I think you should go first. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. appropriate. So, I'm going to shake my fabulous Someone's got to set the bar. All the questions I know, here. Jonathan. Ugh. All right. Jonathan, your first question is, Captain America's shield, Spidey's web shooters, Batman's utility belt, Wonder Woman's lasso, Wolverine's claws. If you were going to be a superhero, which of these heroic accessories would you want to have and why? Oh, absolutely. Spider-Man's little shooty web thingy, because that's so cool. I mean, you could make a trampoline for the kids. You could carry your groceries with it. You could stop bad guys. You could uh, also, you know, like collect all your garbage in your house. You could like rake leaves and pull them and gather them and pull them out. You, you could, could help, rake like, leaves? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you could store the leaves after you do <laughs> None of this. You could collect your lawn clippings with it. You could pick up your kids' toys. Jonathan, why are you so good at this? 
what are you talking about? He's talking about raking leaves with the, a web. He came Collecting up with something. the leaves. <laughs> I, I can make up words. I totally okay, saw Paul, that. Paul, I just I want to go it. on record as saying <laughs> thank you that our score is a quantitative measurement, not a qualitative <laughs> measurement. Justin, I'm on your side. Rake I thought that was solid. Leaves, Although you did say rake time. leaves twice. So. Uh, my, uh, I am Spider-Man. I'm going to go out and do a little yard work with my webs. <laughs> One leaf at a time. Well, Jonathan, I gave you seven for that one. That's solid. Yes, you did set the bar pretty high. Thank you, Christy. I hate this game. All right. Welcome. Here we go. Adam. Yeah. Because of your negativity, you're next. I know. (laughs) Absolutely. I I actually really enjoy the game. I I do. I I want to go last next time. Too late. All right. Adam, your question is, Harry Potter... Or Lord of the Rings. Which franchise is better and why? And feel free to include the books in this discussion if you'd like. Well, Lord of the Rings is better because it came first, because Hobbits, because Orcs, because Sauron. Um, I mean, you have three Christ You have three Christ figures, Bilbo, not Bilbo, Frodo, um, Aragorn, and Gandalf are all Christ figures in different ways. Um, you have the prototypical fantasy setting. Of course, good triumphs over evil in the end, but you see characters who are willing to sacrifice. You see characters working as a team. You see characters who do incredible things. That was wow. Good. You know, and you forgot that to mention good. that you can rake leaves with your... <laughs> oh my God. I mean, Frodo is actually, if you have a pet hobbit, it's closer to the ground. Oh, so. all right. Oh, that's wrong. I'm going to give you eight for that one, Adam. Oh. Good job. Woot, I think nice that's a job. personal best. And, and deserved. Uh, Ashley, it hear was me. good. I love this game. I'm so glad. Thank you. <laughs> I just finished the last book, too, Lord of the Rings, like a day ago. Ugh. Good for you. So have you nice. read the Cimmerillion? No. <sighs> Who has? I read it. Did you really? I wrote a paper on it in high school. All right. This is another podcast. Another Let's piece of go with another nice. question. True story. Kristen, this is for you. I had very you. few dates in high school. It's making me so nervous. I hate this game. All right. If you could pick only one superhero to be a character mentor for kids, who would you pick and why? Spider-Man, Superman, Captain America, or Batman, or one of your own choosing? Ooh. All right. Probably Captain America. He's not my favorite, but I'm going to have to choose him because he is moral. He has like a code of honor. He fights all the bad guys, but he doesn't always want to like harm them. Like he just wants good ultimately. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's good looking. That has to be some sort of like, <laughs> he's all right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not good at this. He's okay. Like he's like, prob- he's probably the guy that you want your kids looking up to because he's strong and he doesn't. Yeah. All right. Nice. I got you having seven all right. points. Okay. Right. I'll take that. That's very good. That's all gen- generous. I, good I old Captain, Captain America. Shush, Paul. <laughs> All right, Paul. I'm glad that you said Captain America, though. Well, yeah, of course. Nice. And you didn't say Iron Man? I'm not going to say Iron Man. It's not true. No, Iron Man is a terrible Loki. role model. And I can't say Loki. He is deceptive. I do like him, though. But anyway. He's right. okay. Captain America is okay. He's all right. Paul, list as many reasons as possible why one of these bands or artists is the greatest ever. The Beatles, the Beach Boys, the Rolling Stones, U2, Keith Green, the Supremes, or Aretha Franklin. Ooh, I'm going to go with Aretha Franklin, actually. She has the best voice. Absolutely. you got to give her a little respect. She she has probably the best voice that has ever been in the music industry. She had a really difficult life. She she grew up in the church, so she has some some faith flavors to it. She she even had a fantastic gospel album in 1974, which was fantastic. Her uh, her history is just super inspiring when you see where she came from, where she went, where she... 
There we go. Nice. Four, maybe five. Oh, so I, much more than that. I got twenty. Seven. Oh, what? Seven. He repeated himself. I got Twenty-seven. Seven. Oh, so nice job, winner? guys. That does make you're the you winner, oh. Adam. Good congratulations. Job, Adam. I love winning. For that, you get to close out the show. All right. <laughs> that seems like the right thing to do. Well, I hope you enjoyed another uh, rollicking and ferociously entertaining installment of Pop Culture Connection. And we would also like to say thanks for spending some time with us today at the Plugged In Show. Um, if you are the wonky type and studies are your thing, what did you think of our conversation today? And on a personal level, what are the issues you're seeing with screens in your family? And what are you doing to sort of minimize those? We would love to hear your stories. And you can find us on Instagram or Facebook or just shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And we would also love to say thank you today for being a part of our Plugged In Show family. So for a gift of any amount, we're going to send you a copy of Jonathan McKee's book, Parenting Generation Screen, Guiding Your Kids to Be Wise in a Digital World. It's a great book, and it deals with so many of the things that, that we talk about here on The Plugged In Show. And you'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the Plugged In blog entry for our conversation this week. Or just give us a call at 800-A-FAMILY. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us today at The Plugged In Show. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another great conversation about entertainment, pop culture, technology, and your family. Music.